Welcome. You're now listening to All Saints Woodford Wells podcast. Amen. Thank you, Becky. Evening, church. How you doing? Fantastic. I'm sure you'll be more enthused as the evening goes on. As Becky said, I'm Marcus. I'm part of the team here. And it's my privilege to spend these next few moments with you to share about what it means to be human. Uh, and grounding it in the biblical story, uh, the God story, and looking at the different lenses of what it means to be human, where we can truly find our humanity in him. Now, can I encourage you to open up the Bibles on page 1049? We're looking at Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. It's the parable of the lost son. And I'll be referring to that through this evening. But rather than me read it out, I will be referring to it quite a lot. So you can um, read it and see if I miss anything out. So as part of the Being Human series, uh, we first explore what it means to be the image bearers of God. And that's a couple of weeks ago. And last week, we looked at the significance of what it means to know our identity in Jesus and to treat each other with respect, dignity and equality. And today, we're looking at the third in the series, uh, connection and our connection to God through our relationship with him and our connection and our relationship with each other. Now, this theme of connection is quite fitting for me. For those that know me, I'm the most happiest when I'm around people. See, I don't cope being very well on my own. I don't have to be the centre of attention, but I like just to be in amongst it. And I love people. And so I especially love it when we've got a busy house. So I love it when Jack, Rosie and Matthew are back in the house. It feels complete. There's an energy. And I have a different connection with each of, of the kids. With Rosie, my daughter, she loves attention. Loves to be present amongst others. Loves to chat and share what she's up to. Or externally process, sometimes at length, of what she hopes to do. Similarly, she'll share stories about great detail. And add extra info because she thinks it gives extra depth and relevance to a story. Now, I can't imagine where she gets that from. <laughs> the connection that I have with my son is slightly different. Jack, with Jack, it's humour, football, sport generally, and beer. And beer is just recently, I might add. He's quieter, he's like his mum, Wu. Likes his own space and company. Doesn't always say a lot, but when he does speak, what he does say is funny insightful and has a lot of heart and kindness behind it, mostly. I say that because Wu and I were yesterday doing the Great British Bird Watch. It was immense fun. And because I only wanted to share it with our children, I texted them and said, hey kids, this is what we're up to. And Rosie, quick as a flash, came back with, oh, dad, that sounds amazing. Mum, that sounds really good. How many have you seen? And we've said, we've seen 91 birds. Jack, quick as a flash, come back saying, well, I can't actually repeat what he said. But then he said, no, he said 91 birds, not 91 species. So he said, well, I could see 91 birds. I could take some bread down to the park where I live. I think he lost the point somewhat. But he does have a wicked sense of humour, and his timing is impeccable. And my connection to Matthew is different again. He's my son-in-law and still one of the kids. He's one of my children. And he's only been part of our family for a short while, and so we're still getting to know each other. However, I know he loves Rosie. He's an amazing cook, which is fantastic in our household, trust me. He's a man of God who is gentle and compassionate 
and he's keen to share the gospel. So these connections I have with my children are different. But the thing that connects me to each of them is the same. And that is the love that I have for each one of them. I love them so much. They are so precious to me. They give me life and add depth and color to my own family. See, they matter to me and they matter to each other. Which I think you agree is important to all of us. That we need to matter. We need to be wanted and to be noticed. We need to feel that connection, that need to be connected into something more than ourselves. In fact, to be human is to crave connection and not want to be alone. As I mentioned, I don't do well being on my own. I long for human company and I don't like being alone. So when we feel lonely, we keep looking for people who can take our loneliness away. In our desire to be connected, our lonely hearts cry out and say, please hold me, touch me, speak to me, pay attention to me. However, we can soon discover, can't we, that the person we expect or want to take the loneliness away cannot always give us what we ask for. We're therefore feeling left alone again or frustrated by the lack of connection or their lack of understanding of what we need. We then feel disconnected and the absence of a shared understanding means we feel that we can't rely on others and so we turn inward to look to rely on ourselves. So if we follow that narrative to its conclusion, it means acting out of loneliness can lead to negative consequences. See, we yearn for connection. Our hearts yearn and long for love, love without conditions, limitations, or restrictions. However, if we're honest with each other, no human being is capable of offering such love or connection. If we demand it or force it, we could end up potentially suffocating, pushing away, or even hurting the very people we're looking to connect with. So this skewed approach is something we see in our reading from Luke's Gospel this evening. And here we see two brothers and a dad, and the need of the brothers to have recognition through connection to the wrong things. For one, it was immediate gratification of money, and the other was measuring his worth through work. And the story begins with the younger brother saying to his dad, don't you think it's about time you gave me your share of your estate? So the dad went ahead and distributed between the two boys their share each of the inheritance. And not long afterwards, the younger brother picks up his belongings and goes off on a world tour in faraway lands where he soon wastes all that he was given of his inheritance on a binge of extravagant and reckless living. Now traditionally, if you look back in scripture, the younger brother's share of the estate would have been a third and the older brother's would have got two thirds. As it's set out in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 17, the firstborn given a double share of all he has. Equally, the inheritance would have normally been given out at their father's death, although fathers sometimes would divvy out the inheritance early and retire from managing their estates. What's interesting here is the younger son initiates the division of the estate. Now, some might call this pioneering and taking his chances, while others might say that he's arrogant and shows a blatant disregard for his father's authority as head of the family. However you look at it, there was a definite need to selfishly connect with what he wanted rather than look at the big picture 
and the effect that this would have on his dad's feelings. See, the unthought or unforeseen consequences for himself, which we see in this rash, unthought of, desperate low point for the young brother, becomes vividly into focus in the shape of him having to feed the pigs, which for a Jew would have been richly unclean, a defilement, a great humiliation and degradation beyond belief. He had truly sunk to the depths. And it struck me, how often do we rush into things, thinking we know better, or have a moment where we have throw our toys literally out the pram in a fit of peak because we don't get our own way and we're desperate for what we want. And we don't really think either of the consequences of who it might affect or what might happen to us long term. Feeding this inbuilt longing for a quick fix to satisfy our own desire, regardless of the cost to our self-worth, our sanity, or even the long-term health of our soul. When we should be making, actually, a sacrificial, disciplined, and patient approach to seeking what is really good for us and make connections to the one that can truly satisfy. I believe this story in Luke is a wake-up call for all of us who are tempted to live life as we please and become disconnected from the one who has shown us the way to live. Because we think we know better. We shouldn't have to hit rock bottom like the younger son to come to our senses. But just like in this story in Luke, we do have a loving father who gives us free will and the opportunity to make our own choices. And this means we can and do make mistakes from time to time. I know, I'm guilty of that. But the longer we stay connected to God and get a better handle on what is good for us, we can start to avoid making those mistakes again and again. However, just like in this story from Luke, we have a patient father who does wait and watches for us to return to him. Because this dad was dealing with a headstrong human being with a will of his own. But he waited and was ready to greet his son if he returned. Note the if. See, the gift of free will is so precious, but it's dangerous too. It takes a risk, doesn't it, to let go. I know as a dad, have to let go of my children. But when you let go, you've got to trust that they know that you are there waiting for them when they return. And the God that we are connected to, or if you're not connected to God at the moment, you can choose to connect with, affords us the same freedom. See, God's love is patient and welcoming. He will search for us many times. And so if you're sitting here this evening and you're not yet connected to God, can I encourage you to maybe take the opportunity this evening to connect to God? Because he's searching for you, trust me. And he will give you many opportunities to respond and to become reconnected to him. And that chance may be this evening for you to reconnect with God. However, just like the dad, he will not force us to come to him. God waits for us. And he waits for us to remember how it was when we first knew how it meant to be connected to him a loving dad. Because if we don't stay connected, 
And the further we loosen our connections to God, we can start to lose sight of what is right and true. We can start actually to become tempted to measure and compare and earn our worth, just like we saw the elder brother do. And look at others who are closely connected and yearn again for that same reconnection. Ironically, we can then feel threatened when someone else is shown grace and meets the Father for the first time. Forget actually that the grace, we all exist within that grace. See, we're claimed by God, not because we've proven ourselves worthy, not at all, but because God is love. And we are to abide in that love and find our joy there. So this story that we read in Luke this evening is much about redemption and reconnection. See, the younger son returns defeated. His efforts to define himself apart from and outside of the father's household are, as we've read, self-destructive and dehumanizing. However, he discovers that he is loved and is met with the outstretched arms of a loving father who lavishes extravagant and reckless love on him. See, this younger brother is claimed simply for being a child of the father. He's given a place alongside the father, working in freedom and in wholeness, and is reconnected to the community of a loving family once again. Remember, we are God's children. He longs to connect with you. He stands with open arms. But the older brother is invited into the very same arrangement. So he hears the commotion of the celebration and returns from work to find a party in full swing. And when he quizzes the staff, he's informed that his little brother's back, who everyone was thought was lost, but now has been found. And they tell him, your dad's killed the fattened calf. And he's celebrating because he's back. Your little brother, he's safe and sound. Now the older brother loses his stuff and has a tantrum. And like I mentioned earlier, throws his toys out of the pram and refuses to go in and join in. So his dad come out and pleads with him. His dad says, come and join the feast. But the older brother instead reels off why he feels hard done by and why he's not been shown the same treatment. He says, I didn't even get a goat to go mad with my friends, he bleats. But oh yes, little brother comes back and he's blown it all on prostitutes and partying and everything's forgiven and forgotten. How fair is that? Then the dad then explains, you've always been by my side and everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right though to rejoice and celebrate and to be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. Now for the older brother and maybe for us, it's harder to let go of that false idea that this place is earned when you've done you think such a comparatively miserably good job of appearing to earn your place. So I challenge you to see when you think, how jealous do you get when you felt you've been part of All Saints for a good number of years? You've either put the chairs out, you've done stood at the front and welcomed people as they come in, you've collected the money, you've even asked me for my key so you can get in the safe. You've put the tea and coffee out. You've rocked up when Paul or Becky have asked you to come and support something. You've even come to the vision evening. And you've said, I'm part of this church. Whatever it is, but do you get miffed when we see someone who's pretty much part
parted their whole lives, weaved their savings up the wall, and then given Caligula or Nero a good run for their money. And they suddenly fall to their knees and repent and claim they've found Jesus and given a place at the top table. Now, do we resent their repentance or do we rejoice with the angels when they connect to God? Do we act like the older brother and struggle to accept their newfound freedom and place in the community of faith? Or do we celebrate and support them as they discover how they might cooperate with God, the God that they're now connected with? What is also important here in this story, I believe, is the context and how it relates to the indignation or that sense of indignation of the older brother and the apparent lost cause that the younger brother appear to be. See, this story that Jesus shares is the third in the theme of lost things, the previous, being, the previous two being the sheep and the coin. However, the audience for all three stories are the same. Tax collectors and sinners who were hungry to hear more and gathered at the feet of this radical Rabbi Jesus. And then Pharisees and tax collectors and teachers of the law, sorry, Pharisees and teachers of the law, sorry, were grumbling and muttering amongst themselves that Jesus is welcomed and is eating with sinners again. See, what a fantastic example we have here, have how Jesus is aware of his audience and what they represent. And how these stories are used to highlight that we've all experienced lost. Whether it's the mundane of losing your car keys or your house keys. To the harder of losing someone you love. Or losing a job. Or losing your place. And finding that you've lost hope. And your dreams aren't what you thought they were. Whatever it might be. Within all that, you probably also felt that you've messed up and that there's no way back. And again, I can sympathise with that feeling. But here, Jesus underlines that although we may not have it all sorted, all are welcome. And that all we need is God to help us find out what it means and how important it is that we stay connected to him, that we're plugged in to him regularly by staying connected to God you might find that you walk away less trust me there'll be occasions when you go for a bit of a wander but the more you're connected in to God and with each other you'll find it makes it just a bit easier but also that within that loss this story also teaches us that we don't need to be alone in it and you've got to be aware, wary of the I in this and the desire or that you have the need to fulfill your own wants and desires and resent any interference from those around you who will try and stop you. Because see, when it is the I, this normally means that there aren't any others. You're on your own and you're consumed by loneliness trying to meet your own needs. Did you know in 2022 there was 3.3 million people that are reported in this country being chronically lonely or felt lonely all the time. Similarly, solitude is not an easy place to be because this is when we have to actually face up to things that we'd rather not. And then as we've seen in this reading, we instead seek to seek to satisfy this loneliness with the wrong things. 
However, we have a Father in heaven who is waiting and urges us not to run away, but is instead there open-armed to show us extravagant love, who says, don't be afraid. I am with you, and I'll show you the way to stay connected to me and to each other. By connecting ourselves to God, or even reconnecting ourselves to God, do we then find that we become part of a community, part of a family again? See, being part of a community, being connected to each other, makes us think of a safe togetherness, shared meals, common goals, joyful celebrations about what's happening in each other's lives. As we grow in our connection to God, we witness the trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we begin to understand that we're not alive for ourselves, but instead see the strength of being there for one another. As Henry Newman says, community is the fruit of our capacity to make the interests of others more important than our own. And as Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And as Jesus said, by your love, for each other, would I know you're my disciples? How readily do we show others what it means to be connected to God? Therefore, what does this look like for us in practice today? How are we going to stay connected to God and connected to each other? It's risky. It can be dangerous. It can be life-changing, trust me. But are you willing tonight to step out and find what it means to be connected to God? Can I encourage the band to come up if they're able? And can I encourage you to stand as we begin to worship? I want to just share a few thoughts. As I was preparing for this evening, I was thinking about how can we reconnect with, with God? How can we make that reconnection or even connect with God for the first time? Now, you may be standing there this evening thinking, oh, I don't know, I feel a bit connected, I'm not sure. But there's a number of ways that we can find that we can become disconnected. Do you feel like the younger brother and spending your money in all the wrong places? I knew and I found freedom when I entrusted my money to God. That was a real struggle for me and I was bound up. But I found freedom when I connected my finances to God. So for some of you this evening, it may be actually you're thinking, you know what, maybe I need to look at what I'm doing with my finances. It may be that you want to tithe. That's where I found personally for me my freedom. And I started to tithe my money. For others, it may be just thinking about what you do with your money. But it's trusting God with all our finances. And I believe it will bring us true freedom and real connection. Because God's with it in, you, in it with you. He doesn't leave you alone. So that may be for you this evening. Or do you feel disconnected from church? And the folk that you see, you look around and go, I've got no real connection with them. I feel a bit of a loner. I feel alone. But you might find actually that being in community with other believers, being connected with each other, is a way that you can maybe take that risky step and join with others. And again, David, of overseas small groups here, can put you in touch with maybe that you might make that first step 
I lead a small group with Wu. There'll be others in this church this evening that lead small groups. And that's a way of maybe being part of this big community of believers here tonight. Is a way of maybe finding a smaller space. Because I truly believe that when you're together and exploring what God is doing in our lives and who God is, by being in a small group setting, helps you realise that you're not alone. Being in community with other believers allows you to experience forgiveness. See, forgiveness is the cement, I believe, for community life. And forgiveness holds us together through good times and bad times and allows us to grow in love with each other and for God. Or you might be here this evening thinking that actually you feel disconnected from someone in your family or from a friend. And I was challenged about this. But you might feel that's you. There's someone that you need to reconnect with. Can I encourage you as people come forward for prayer and do start coming forward for prayer, the prayer team will be to my right and your left. That if that's you and you want to be connected to a friend or a family member, please come forward and someone would love to pray with you. And then can I challenge you to take that risky step of maybe sending the first text to say hi. Or it may be that you just feel disconnected from everything. We had a word this morning that said being invisible. Trust me, you're not invisible. God sees you. And so do we. We're your family. Please do not leave this place feeling invisible or disconnected. So can I encourage you to come forward for prayer? There'll be folk here fine to be reconnected to God this evening. Come and find that reconnection with God. So Lord, I pray that as we spend this next time worshipping, help us to not be afraid. Help us not to be rooted to the spot, but instead see, Lord, that you are at work in our lives. And may, we may not see that, as Becky shared from the word earlier, but Lord, help us to recognise that you are at work. Help us not to feel invisible. Help us to seek connection with you again afresh tonight. Help us to know that you love us and that you want to connect with us too. Amen.